This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning and actually every morning here on the Smart Investing Show. Have been doing the Smart Investing Show now for 28 years. If you have an investment question or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three, and as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, Chase, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. You know, I was just thinking I was talking like uh, we have another workshop coming up, uh, June twenty fourth, and it, I thought, oh, that's so far away. But uh, what is the first of June? Monday? No. Yeah. Is it Monday or Tuesday? It's Monday. Is it Monday? No, no, no sorry, no, no. Monday's the thirty first. Tuesday. Tuesday. The 31st. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. So I mean, it's only a few weeks away. It'll be at Alesmith Brewery again, and. Uh, we had a nice crowd there last week, and uh, no, was it last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks. I I guess I need to go home, go back to bed. My time, my calendar is all kind of messed up here. And but, it was uh, last week. It was last Thursday. Was it, okay? Good. It was last Thursday then. So, um, but uh, yeah, a great time, a lot of information. And if you listen to the show and you want to learn more about investing uh, and how we do the fundamental analysis, what we do and what I've been doing. Uh, gosh, I've developed this over forty years. How we manage money using the fundamental analysis. It is a free workshop. What you need to go is uh, go to our website and sign up. But it, it is uh, up and ready to go, right, Chase? I yes. Think, yeah, yeah. It so, is ready to go. Yep. Uh, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And last uh, last time we had a pretty much uh, full capacity, I think it was. Yeah, pretty much full capacity. And it, it's always great talking to people after the workshop mm -hmm. as well. I mean, uh, having some good conversations and people say, you know, it, it kind of pulls it all together. I hear the radio show and sometimes I'm not quite sure what you guys are saying, but kind of seeing it and getting to hear about it during the presentation uh, kind of bring some ideas home and uh, people say they really appreciate it and, and they really liked the venue at Alesmith as well. Yeah, yeah, because we thought, oh, maybe it's a little bit too noisy. We said, no, that, that was fine. They brought out the microphones and uh, I think they enjoy the beer and they enjoy the food and stuff. So, uh, but they, they were very, very happy. So I think we'll stay with Alesmith uh, to have the uh, workshops there. Uh, the other thing too with the workshop is you actually get to see what we're talking about. And there's other things we do at the workshop that we bring out that we don't bring out in the radio show for people. So it, it is uh, very informative, and I've, I've probably had thousands of people, maybe now tens of thousands of people because I've been doing it for 22 years. <laughs> uh, no one ever said, I didn't learn anything here. You know? So it, it is a good, uh, uh, a good way to really understand more about formal analysis and how to keep your emotions low during this time frame because things get crazier and crazier every day. And uh, with that, let's turn to what is happening right now with AMC. The stock, uh, it, it, it is not investing. Uh, for a stock to be up more than 20% and then fall to be negative within the, the same session and no fundamental business news, it, it, it's just ridiculous. And, and to show you just how crazy it is, look at the float, uh, which is the shares that are available for trading. At, at 448.43 million shares compared to the volume, 
listen to this, at over 650 million shares yesterday. I mean, that's just comparison. I mean, it's just crazy. When you compare that to other ones like Apple and some other ones, it, 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 that's when you really say, this is crazy. And, and I mean, the thing that is just insane, and, and I, I just have to reiterate that fact, there was no business news about AMC yesterday. I mean, yeah, most of the time stocks pop like, hey, there's a great big merger. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Maybe, you know, AMC is getting bought out. Oh, okay, maybe that makes some sense. Nothing. No news. That is just makes no sense at all for it to all of a sudden pop. And it, it was the fifth day in a row it was up, and then obviously it turned negative. Yep. I mean, it's just insane. But to kind of continue on with, you know, the, the craziness of the, the volume is, again, it was about, gosh, we'll call it about one and a half times the outstanding float. You mentioned Apple. Let's look at what a volume of about close to 70 million shares yesterday. Now, wait a minute. Now, now that, let's compare that number again to the shares that were traded on uh, uh, AMC. Uh, AMC. 650 million shares. Do I have that right? So 650 million shares. That's coming to make a no money uh, <laughs> with the float versus Apple, who is a multi, multi-billion dollar, uh, well, trillion dollar market cap trillion dollar market cap that's owned in pension funds that that's owned in the s&p 500 index it's owned in every index everywhere like yeah. pretty much and i mean it is just insane that they had 70 million compared to again about i'm gonna say about a tenth yeah, of tenth. what amc yeah. had yeah and that is just insane especially when you consider apple's float is 16.69 billion yeah billion billion yes yeah billion <laughs> so 70 million compared to 16 points it's a fraction of it it's not more than 100 percent of the outstanding shares or the float at this time it, it's it's ludicrous that people are just going in and out that is gambling that is not investing yeah and just kind of speaking more about the fundamentals and oh who cares about the fundamentals right yeah i guess not you know yeah <laughs> but let's look at the <laughs> fundamentals here another interesting item is the stock reached an all-time high yesterday as it climbed to 36.72, and that's not what it closed at, but that's what the high was yesterday. This surpassed the all-time high closing price of $35.86 that occurred on March 23rd, 2015. Now, the fascinating part is the shares outstanding in 2015 stood at about $97 million. Today, it's exploded to over 450 million shares. Wait a minute. Isn't more shares good? (laughs) I mean, You think about it, what that means is now even though the stock price is the same, you're saying that AMC is about 4.5 times more valuable than it was in 2015 because as you expand expand those share count, now that drives the market cap higher across it. And I, I can't say that I think that's the case. I mean, back in 2015, the theater business was doing quite well. Yep. I mean, but can anyone honestly tell me right now that AMC's business today is thriving and has a great outlook? I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> and, and the thing I, I want to just kind of back up a little bit as well, because the thing I look at too is that the pie is always the same size. Uh, before you had, what, in 2015, 97 million shares, or we'll say everybody had one share into the pie. Well, now you had 450 million people. So now everybody gets a smaller slice. So before, back in 2015, it's much easier to get maybe a dollar per share. Well, now at what, uh, almost five times, you may only get 20 cents a share. And, and, and this is the concept that people are not getting. And this is why this is going to end very badly for these people because they don't understand anything about earnings. So what's going to happen is that and the reason why it goes up because there's more buyers and sellers and there's a lot of money out there. 
that is not going to stay that way forever. And when that changes, and, and, and again, I heard that uh, when the uh, consumer spending came out, uh, I think it was yesterday, yeah. they said there was less money coming out because the stimulus is gone. Yep. So when that money starts drying up a little bit and people are spending other things and there's not so many crazies chasing this, this stock higher, it's going to drop like a rock because then you got to find sellers to sell to and they're not going to be there and the stock will drop and drop and drop. And I can't tell if it's going to happen on Monday or happen a year from now, but it will happen. There's no doubt about it. Well, I mean, the thing you look at is this will drop and it's not going to come back. I mean, we always talk to people about, oh, look, I can't handle downturns. You can handle downturns if you know your businesses are fundamentally sound and they'll come back. This business will not come back to $35 a share. I just don't see that happening. I mean, you look at the numbers here. The company is not estimated to make any money in 2021, 2022, or 2023. And the balance sheet, it's just horrendous. The debt has now climbed to over $5.5 billion, and the company has a negative equity of $2.3 billion. I mean, those aren't good numbers. <laughs> and, and, and the thing, too, that and, and, and back in 2015, we kind of talked about this. The uh, company had EPS of $1.06, debt of $2.1 billion, and equity of over $1.5 billion. Much, much better company back in 2015 than now. But the thing is, there's a lot of people out there that don't get it. I, I saw a comment on my Facebook about, uh, we did a post on this, and they said, this is all part of the plan. Uh, well, what plan? The, the plan to just drive the stock up? Because it will happen to where people will back away from this because then they realize, like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm bored with this. Or it went down, I'm going to pull out. I mean, I, I think this stock, and, and even look at the fundamentals. What about the creditors where, yeah. where AMC can't pay their, their, their debt? They're going to say, we want our money back. Well, they issue more shares. That's what they've been doing. I mean, well, I think last year. They last can do that now. Yeah. But I'm saying when things start drying up. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, and then everybody loses all their money. Yeah. And I, I think the little guy, and I, it's supposed to be, again, this revolution. And it, it's, it's the silliest thing. Because, yeah, at first you're kind of taking on the hedge funds. And we talked about this last year with right. GameStop. And I, I just think it's. I'm sorry, I, I don't feel bad for these people that are going to lose money. It, it's yeah. it, it's idiotic to look at these numbers and think that this company is worth what it's trading at. It, yeah. it makes no fundamental sense. But the thing is, you took on the hedge fund, so to speak, when you, you had the short squeeze. But once that hedge fund's out of it, who's left holding the stock? Yeah, A bunch of little guys. Right. Well, who's left to get burned? A bunch Ooh, of little nice. guys. <laughs> exactly. And there's going to be some little guys that, that make money off of it but you're capitalizing now off the little guys that you were all in it together and we were going to take on the hedge funds and it's going to be great. <laughs> but now you got little guys to buy the stock at $35, $86, $36 a share. Maybe they now sell it at 18 yep. Well, now you just lost half that little guy's money. That, yep. That's not not cool. Yep. So I, I have a big problem with this, and I think it all comes back to what you said earlier, too much money in the economy, and that's what allows for things like this to happen. Yeah, and, and these little guys that we're talking about that are doing this, they have to realize you're gambling. You might as well go to Las Vegas and, yeah. and play blackjack because that's really all you're doing is you're gambling, and you're gambling on a chip that you keep bidding up, bidding up, bidding up, and that's all you're doing. There's no fundamentals here. There's no earnings here. So, uh, again, if our, any of our listeners are, are doing this, you want to do it, fine. Go ahead and have fun with it, but understand that you're gambling and you are not investing. I'm not even going to call this investing. It is gambling. No, it's, it's 100% gambling, and the last thing I'll say, too, is the thing that I encourage people to do is break down what investing is again. It's buying a small piece of a large company. Mm-hmm. 
hey, I got this great business opportunity. Do you want to buy this company that does movie theaters that, you know, now has this great competition with streaming? Nobody <laughs> wants to really go to the movie theaters like they used to. But movie theaters will still be around, but it's not the same value proposition it had. And it loses a bunch of money, has a ton of debt. Do you want to be my business partner? Uh, I think I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah, that's the way you're <laughs> supposed to think about it. it yeah, it, it is just crazy. And uh, by the way, I was thinking about going to the movies, and I'm just like, uh, you know, I, I do have a nice movie theater in my house. <laughs> it's kind of like, but still not like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, but maybe tonight we'll go. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, in, investors are, are becoming concerned on how inflation will affect their investments and, and and where they should be investing. And this is this is so such a concern. In a recent study from Sean Markowitz, who was a strategist at uh, Schroeder's from UK, he discovered that the current environment we are in, which is low and rising inflation, from 1973 to 2020, stocks outperformed inflation. 90% of the time. And this is very important. Yeah, and, and the thing to look at, well, when do stocks do poorly? Stocks did poor during inflationary times when we have high inflation and it continues to rise. Yeah, we did not have high inflation for the last, no, no, we did not. For the last many, many years here, <laughs> right. last decade, I'd say. Uh, so we're not in that situation. But during this type of situation, stocks only beat inflation just over 40% of the time. And actually, this is when commodities do best, outperforming inflation nearly 85% of the time. Yeah, and, and, and this is so important because of the fact that when you look at things, um, how they are, uh, we are definitely in inflationary time. And uh, we, we, we have a situation to where, and I tell people, equities will do well when you have inflation. Again, this came out after I've been saying this because it is true. What happens, what is inflation? Too much money chasing too few goods. Well, if you own a business, you own those goods, well, your profits are gonna go up. Now, initially what can happen, it's not happened yet, is that many times when inflation's there, interest rates will go off to offset that. Well, that's not always great for stocks because that puts a small damper on stocks. So I'm not talking about, oh, if you have an equity uh, that has uh, some material or some good that's going up in prices, the stock is not going to rise immediately, but it will as time goes on. The initial response can be the stock will go down because of interest rates. But this is where we come back to why we do the workshop, why we do the analysis is the fundamentals of that business. That business will weather the storm. So you have to understand when we say equities will go up, it's not going to be, oh, next week, you know, inflation came out and, and interest rates went up and all oh, the stocks went down. Oh, you guys are wrong. We're looking down the road 12, 24 months. I mean, I, I would not be surprised to see if we continue to get inflation and, uh, you know, the, the Fed keeps using the term transitory. Uh, I do think it is transitory to occur at this type of level that we're seeing with the huge spike of, you know, 5%. But I, I don't think it's going to be transitory in the effect that I think we'll see sustained inflation of, you know, 3 maybe 4% mm -hmm. uh, over the next couple of years just because the supply chain is just so out of whack. Right. But uh, I, I do think the issue is going to be once we start to maybe see it's less transitory than people think is that's when you could see that correction. Yeah. But we tell people, I mean, don't get too excited about what we're talking about here because it doesn't mean that any stock is going to do well. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen is you're going to have that initial like, oh, inflation, and all stocks kind of take a hit selling the news but the right stocks are the ones that will come back and then they'll actually beat that inflation right and i think it was this week we finally finished took us a, a, about a week to get out of one of our positions mm -hmm. uh that has done very very well uh it, it does it probably will benefit by inflation but it had a target sell price so so we sold out and and got out of it and um you know they could do better but we are prepared 
and to let people know we are very cautious. I think it's a time to be cautious, not like, oh, let's buy, buy, buy. And we've said this before, people bringing money over to us uh, that were with us for a couple of months. Uh, we're only invested 30%. What are you guys doing? We're, we're being very cautious here, buying a little bit at a time. Uh, it, and I have talked, getting off track here a little bit, but I have talked about you go to other brokers, uh, you go to another broker and like uh, next week, like, oh yeah, they invested all my money already. Like, <laughs> did they not care about what's going on in the future here? So it's kind of, kind of crazy on, on that. But um, inflation is something that uh, you have to be aware of. And we did also put an inflation hedge in our portfolio as well, just to let you know. Inflation hedge, and uh, again, kind of want to reemphasize the point you made. Generally, rising inflation brings about rising interest rates. The reason we say all stocks won't do well is generally with rising interest rates as the cost of capital, the cost of money becomes mm -hmm. more expensive. That's when growth takes a little bit of a hit because you have to discount those future earnings for those businesses at a higher rate, which actually makes it less valuable in terms of today's dollars. Right. So that's why the growth companies I, I don't foresee doing as well. I, I still don't think we're in a huge bubble, but kind of going back to AMC, when we're, we're seeing things like this, right. this is stuff that makes me worry a little bit about a bubble. But the bubble, I don't think, will spread to value because value has underperformed over the last decade. Right. So I think this is the time to, again, be in good value stocks. Yeah, and I would not call it a bubble. I would call it very high prices because, again, what you would generally see with this, and again, you've got some great companies. I'm going to throw out their Home Depot uh, yeah. as one of the companies. Great business, and things are going very well for them, but they trade around 30 times earnings. Well, that's well above the average, almost double the average. Well, when things start changing, they will come down. But when you have a company trading at, you know, 10, 12 times earnings, uh, they may come down too. But then people realize, like, well, gee, now it's trading at eight times earnings. I'm going to buy more of that. But, gee, now Home Depot is trading at 18 times earnings. Ah, still still not worth yeah. buying that price. So so that's how it works. And that's why value does much better over the longer term. We show this at our workshop how they do long term. And it beats them by about three percentage point. I think it's about 9.7, about 12.7 of value versus growth over the long term. That's why we like value because value actually is – it gives you value. Yeah. You know, it's just it, a buy and hype. It doesn't have the biggest ups. As no. we've seen in our last decade, again, growth's done great. Yeah. But the problem is growth has a couple years. I mean, you talk about the tech bust. Yeah. That it just gets demolished. And it, you lose, again, in the, the workshop we show people, you lose half your money yep. in growth during the, the tech bust. Yeah. Over a three-year time frame. That's terrible. Yep. And yep. It, it could happen again. I mean, you just have to, again, look at what you're buying, understand what you own how much you're paying for it. And I do want to point out too, and we, we do show people this at the workshop, and I'm going to share it with them because it's so important that people say, oh, I'm just going to put my money in the S&P 500 index fund because that's, you know, beat everybody and so forth. Over the last five, maybe even seven years, that is correct. But you look at the 20-year return of the S&P 500, the average return is now, what, 6.1%? And what that also tells me, you know, kind of looking at a 20-year return, that means out of one decade, it did very well. The other decade, it didn't. And I think the same thing we're going to have here. I think the last decade did well going forward to 2031. I think it's not going to do well at all. I, you know. Yeah, and I, I think there's an interesting article in Barron's uh, a couple of weeks ago that was the numbers for the s and No, it was for the Dow, but just a Dow. different different index. And the Dow and S&P have been pretty close over history. Um, but if you look at the Dow by decade, there's been decades where it just does terribly. Mm -hmm. And there's decades where it's up several hundred percent and we're kind of in one of those decades right now where we've had a very very nice run so i i, I just again don't think the next decade number one don't expect what happened last decade right number two i don't think it's going to be that that strong of a return for the s p 500 so yeah. we'll have to take a take a look 
come back in 2030 and uh, you can tell us if we were right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, and you got to find those companies that were in the index that were trading at value versus ones that are high because that's what's going to happen. The high goes down, the low comes up. We, we did kind of see it a little bit with energy uh, happening recently because back, uh, what, I'm going to say two years ago, oh, energy is terrible. Stay away from energy. Energy has been the best of performer, uh, I believe, this year, if not the entire uh, year. So, I mean, thank you. that's why the old concept, very simple, buy low and sell high. But people want to buy high and sell higher, and that just doesn't work. So uh, let's let's move on here a little bit because I want to talk about material costs because they have risen and labor shortages have persisted. Uh, one lesser talk aspect of home building uh, is that the impact of the cost of new homes is regulations, and they are really. I mean, I was I was shocked when I saw this number, and I I I couldn't believe I had to read it again. And say, oh yeah, man, that's that's what it said. Yeah, I mean, uh, according to the National Association of Home Builders, I wouldn't say it's really a uh, politically charged group. There, it's, I'd say that's a good source. Yeah. Um, they said the cost of regulations. Wait, wait, wait! I can I can make sure Brendan's sitting down there because he's in there. He's standing up. So sit, sit down, Brendan, for this number. <laughs> <laughs> the cost of regulations to build a new house is ninety three thousand eight hundred and seventy dollars. I mean, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And. You know, it's funny. Somebody asked me, well, what about in California? And uh, the, the report didn't break out right. the numbers by state. But I replied saying, you know, I don't think it's favorable. I'll tell yeah, you that. I think, we're probably, <laughs> I think we're probably above the average. And, and I bought my first house in uh, California. I think it was 1985. I paid $99,000 for that house. And it, was, it wasn't a huge house, like 1,800 square feet, you know. Uh, but it's just like now... You can't even buy the house for ninety nine thousand dollars because that's just for the government. You know, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think the cost of lumber. I, I don't even think you'd be able to pay for the lumber. No, because uh, you know, you'd have about six thousand dollars left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and, and, and and I would love to know, which we will never know, because I I suppose maybe someone can research it. But back in nineteen eighty five, we'll call it. What were the regulations uh, that you were paying for then? M- my guess was probably ten thousand, maybe. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's definitely skyrocketed. And my big question is, where is all that money going? Yeah, no. <laughs> and you don't hear about it that often. Like, oh, this yeah. is an income source. You, yeah. you don't really see that broken out. And I mean, I, I just want to talk a little bit about what the regulations include. Sure, uh, it's things like zoning approval, environmental impact studies. That's a fun one. Yep, and government fees. So, I mean, I, I, I continue to think it uh, seems to me with these rising home prices might be an easy way to reduce the price of new homes if we can reduce those regulations. And, and the problem is <clears throat> it's like this perfect storm, so to speak, yeah. is you have the regulations. And when the cost of goods are low, like materials, like concrete, lumber, mm-hmm. copper, ah, the regulations don't stand out as much. But now all of a sudden, everything is that perfect storm that's increasing. And now it's like, Oh my gosh! You break start breaking down the cost of the home, and it's like we can't be profitable. We can't build. I mean, you're starting to see home builders that are slowing down on building because it's not profitable. Yeah, and I, I actually saw um, I forget what state it was. It was on Fox Business, and there's was some home builders. I, I I don't think it was here in California, but some home builders starting to say we're going to stop building. Uh, and one was just in back east. They have cellars, which yeah. are a hole in the ground. But there's just holes in the ground that with with this concrete there. We're, we're stopping because it makes no sense to continue on here. It makes more sense to stop building and wait for things to come back down. Yeah. 
So that that was kind of amazing to see that because that means you're not going to make any money for a while until that that turns around. But it just makes no sense with the regulations, the rising cost of copper and and lumber and labor. I mean, it, it just is getting crazy. And that's why we say this whole real estate thing. And by the way, uh, we, we do have um, David Shooter coming in at 920 today. He is going to talk about on the real estate side. He's a realtor for many, many years. Talk about uh, the real estate prices and what he's seeing on, on the real estate side because it, it's just ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, it, it, these crazy things going on. And this is what money does. You put a lot of money in the economy, you, you got the AMCs of the world. You got housing prices going up to ridiculous levels. And, and it doesn't last forever. And this is where people, some people are going to get burned by just being part of the craziness. So, And, and I will say, I <clears throat> um, was looking at numbers on housing prices. And housing prices have done phenomenal as of mm-hmm. late. People, oh, real estate always goes up. <laughs> if you look back to 2006 at the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, we're up 32%. What's that? 32% is the gain that we've seen since 2006. Oh, the wait! Since two thousand six, the gain's only been thirty two percent. Yeah, that's that's from Case Shiller. They look at what the top twenty homes across the nation. I think it's top twenty cities. Yeah, cities. Yeah. So that includes San Diego. Are you, are you sure it's th- wow? Yes. I mean, I would. And a lot of that gain has occurred in the last year. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I guess what that is, and you know, it's kind of true because I know the house that you know actually you grew up in. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked at that back in two thousand six. I remember we thought about selling it. Um, and, and, and I think at the time we said, gosh, we could get almost $2 million for that house. And you just said you looked at it again a couple of weeks ago. And you said, well, now it's selling for $2.1 million. That's probably about your 36% gain. Yeah. So, um, and that is, again, that's peak to peak is what that is. But that means if you bought 2006, and if we remember a lot of people lost their, their life savings and everything else in 2008, 2009, um, because they overpaid. And we're seeing the same thing now with, with people. And it, it, I don't. We continue to say we don't think it's going to be as bad as the no. housing crisis, but I, I do think you're not going to see people lose their homes like you did. But I don't think you're going to see price appreciation. I mean, you're again buying during a hot time, and oh, it's not like 2006. You're right, it's not like 2006. Right. <clears throat> but there are some elements that are quite similar. Yeah. And I definitely will tell you, you don't want to be buying when everybody else wants to be buying. That, right. That's that's not when you're going to get good deals. Right. You, you, you don't buy in a seller's market. Yeah. You buy in a buyer's market. But people don't want to miss the crowd. Fear of missing out at FOMO. And, and it's such a shame. And, and I have said, though, if you want a home to live in and you want to be in that neighborhood and you want to raise your kids there for the next 20 years, you're fine. But if you think you're going to buy a house at this price and in five years make a lot of money off it, uh, I, I really got to say you're dreaming. You're making a big mistake. And I mean, one other thing I saw about this as well, some, I saw this realtor, I forget where I saw it, but they were talking about the cost of waiting to buy a home. They were saying that if you had waited, you know, four weeks, basically, because they used data from four weeks ago, that mortgage rates had gone up and home prices had gone up. So now you're actually spending $400 more on a mortgage. Don't wait so you don't have that happen to you again. That is, I'm sorry, I think that is wrong. Yeah, because you could do the same thing and say, well, if you wait, <laughs> say a year, right. and now your mortgage payment is maybe seven hundred dollars. I mean, you're using again past performance to talk about future performance, yeah. and we know that is not yeah. not the right thing to do. Yeah, and people are concerned about rising rates. Oh, but if I buy now, it's kind of like the thing. It's like, yeah, because rates will be higher, but if the house is lower, 
um, you're, you're going to be better off because you're paying a much longer time payment. And we've actually, and the thing is, most realtors, and we had some realtors, I think there's one or two on our Facebook that they're pretty smart guys. They actually said, you know what? We're not buying houses for our client. We told them don't buy now. So they're pretty smart. Um, but there's others like, oh, no, this is this is the time to buy. And, and I can't really blame them because I understand that if they don't sell a house, they don't make any money. Yeah. So they're kind of this tough position where they have to justify it. Um, I, and I know how to fix it because you can't put realtors on a, a fee basis income. You, yeah. you, can, you can't do it. But you just have to realize you have to be the smart one saying no. You know, and I guess what you have to do as a realtor, you have to realize that you have to during the good times. You can't be spent. I've told other people to do this. Don't spend everything you make. Live on half what you make because there's going to be bad times. And if you're a smart realtor and you wait to, to sell somebody a, a house, um, you know, you, you will have that those clients and many clients, I think, for many years because you weathered through the storm. Well, we'll probably talk more about the real estate yeah. when, when David comes on. I kind of got off track there. And darn it, I've got to give the phone numbers again. And, and Brendan's sitting there almost falling asleep waiting for the calls. He's got his hand on the phone and no, no one's uh, uh, dialing. Phone numbers here. You want to join the show, have a question. Uh, you want to talk about a stock that you want to uh, find out about, you know, the fundamentals on it. Uh, give us a call here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And yes, that will get you through for that unbiased opinion no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about uh, when it comes to investing. If you want to just talk about investing in general, you have a, you're new to investing, want to understand more about it, we're here for that as well. But uh, a lot of times people are investing in equities, uh, a great thing to do. And I just realized this is Memorial Day weekend. This is a long weekend. Yeah. And I guess that travel was way up. So uh, maybe people are traveling. Could be. Day. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. I mean, it's a good and bad yeah. for uh, energy prices. It's good if you maybe own some energy companies, but bad if uh, you don't because <laughs> the prices are probably going to continue to climb, I think, through summer in terms of yeah. gasoline. And, uh, you know, I know ticket prices for airlines have gone up quite substantially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's good that the demand's there and we're getting people back out and, and doing things, but uh, you're going to have to start to pay a little bit more. Yeah. And, inflation. And, and inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and this is one thing, too, that shocks me as well, that the, the amount of increase in the airlines uh, and I'm talking about the stock prices because people are forgetting like, oh, more people are traveling. Yes, they are. But they forget about the down period that the airlines went through, the amount of debt they had to take yeah. on, the amount of uh, shares they had to issue to stay there. Uh, kind of like the movie theater business. It's not going to be as well. And I'm very glad to see the airlines doing better but they're not worth some of these prices that they're, they're trading on. I'm surprised we've not got anybody call about any airlines. And Maybe we, because they know it's expensive. Well, yeah, I think we do have the smartest listeners across the country. Yeah, yeah I think people that listen to us on a regular basis, they, they kind of know they, 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 what's going on. But um, it's it, it just the airlines are not the, the, the place, I don't think, to be. And, and you got to remember, too, I mean, they have gone up, but for that price to keep going up, you have to have somebody else buy at that higher price. Yeah, and, and it's just amazing to me when I when I see that. So, all righty, phone number is eight six six five seven. Did we want to talk about the? Are we? Uh, we had one more topic. Oh, we had one more topic. Well, yeah. we've been going for a long time. We've been talking a lot. You, you, okay, let's go. Well, we, we got on tangents. But, I uh, know we've been doing a lot of tangent talking today. I let's do it real quick. Uh, uh, it's been a rumor now for a couple of weeks. Came through. Uh, I'm still surprised by Amazon's move to buy MGM Studios at $8.45 billion. Uh, there are some valuable franchises, including things like James Bond and Rocky. Uh, but I worry, Amazon, are they expanding into too many different areas, especially considering 
uh, the recent purchase of the ML streaming NFL streaming rights. I mean, they're just spending so much money on this stuff. Yeah, and it's funny because we saw that, and the next day I saw an article about how they're expanding more into pharmaceutical stuff. And, oh, yeah, then they bought, uh, you know, Whole Foods several years ago. Uh, and there's just a lot going on. It kind of reminds me of uh, GE years ago when they were expanding and buying businesses and people applauded it as the conglomerate grew larger mm-hmm. and larger. They're like, oh, it's great. No, Amazon, they're going to do this, 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 this. But what we know is how the story ended for GE. And people, I knew that was going to be terrible for GE. <laughs> people loved GE for years. Yep. And they applauded Emelt and the job he was doing. Now they look back and say, Emelt was terrible. Well, they didn't think that at the time. No, they did not think that at the time. No, they, they thought he was an ex-Jack uh, Welch. Yeah, and the thought. problem is, as you grow and grow and grow, you kind of get too big and you become too complicated. It's hard to run a grocery business. It's hard to run a cloud business, a right. pharmaceutical business, a content business, and then a, a shopping business, a store as well. I mean, that's yeah. a lot. And now business services, I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Yeah, I, what they, it's easier to say what they don't, uh, what they're not into than what they are into, and, and it is true. And GE's not the only one. I mean, we've had a, other big conglomerates. And just do a history of conglomerates, what they've done. Uh, many times they, they build up, build up, build up. AT&T was another one. And then all of a sudden, and this was back in the 90s, Michael Armstrong, they had like all these businesses. They didn't do well. They lost control of them. They had to sell them at less price. So it, it, it does happen. And I'm wondering if that's a direction for Amazon. Because, oh, that could never happen to Amazon. It, it can happen because, and also um, Jeff Bezos is stepping down mid-year. Next month. Ne- is it next month? Next month or the following, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So somebody new is going to come in. And again, that didn't work very well for GE, did it? No. <laughs> so maybe Jeff Bezos knows like, okay, Time to get out. I grew it. I grew it. I grew it. <laughs> no, goodbye. Goodbye. Can the James Bond franchise because he can go. Yes, I bought it. Bezos. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, he needs an Aston Martin like I have. <laughs> I'm sure he probably has probably ten of them. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the phone. Or let's go to the phones again. Phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's head up to Temecula and speak with Aaron. Aaron, you're in the Smart Investment Brand. Chase, how can we help you? Hi, good morning. I wanted to check in on a stock, uh, Ring Energy. Okay. And, R-E-I. And do you hold that or look at them buying it? Uh, I hold it. Okay, you up, you down, where do you stand? I'm sorry? I say, are you up or you're down? Where do you stand? Uh, j- down just a little bit. Okay. Let's take a look at Ring Energy Incorporated. Their symbol is R-E-I. Unfortunately, but this is not unusual for the industry here. Uh, P ratio not material, and that's the same as the industry because the energy over the last 12 months have not really done well. They're kind of turning around now. Uh, we do see price of sales looks better. That's two versus 1.9. Price to tangible book value 0.8 versus 0.9 means you're paying 81 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this company. And then price of cash flow is not material versus 7.6. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year are down 41.6%. That's that's worse than the industry, down 28%. And unfortunately, earnings per share fell by 497%. The industry was up 61%. So I'm not sure if this company is lagging. Maybe things will turn around in the future, but right now, not looking very good. I'm also worried here, Aaron, about the balance sheet. Yeah, You've got a current ratio of only 0.37 versus 0.9. Not much liquidity there. This means they could be forced into bankruptcy at any point in time if they can't pay their bills. And their debt to equity is no, not good here either. It's 111 versus 51 for the industry. So I'm really worried about this company's uh, financial condition. We do see return on equity is a negative 74 versus a negative 9.8. Uh, net profit margin, 280 
negative versus a negative 22.7. And then receivable turnover is 6.9 versus 7.1 and no inventory turnover versus 27. Jason, I'm, I'm going to bet this company has no earnings going forward, but you tell us. <laughs> ah, your bet was wrong, but uh, oh, well, okay. Okay, I'll get to that here shortly. Alrighty. Uh, current price for Ring Energy, well, that's $2.25. 52-week high is $3.36. And the 52-week low, well, that's $0.43. Cents. I, I will say it is a very small company. Mm-hmm. Market cap here is just $223 million. Ooh, so it, it's quite small. But I do look out to December 2022. I see an estimate for earnings per share of $0.40. Cents. <laughs> Would give us a target sell price of $6.64. What you'll notice, I said, in estimate, there's just one analyst that oh. follows this, Aaron. So the, the thing is, I'm not surprised because it's such a small company. There could be tremendous value to this stock, and it could go up very, very nicely. But the problem is you're relying now on just one analyst. You have to do a lot more research on this company. You're kind of flying solo here uh, and and really have to understand the business because it, it that analyst could be way off. I mean, we've seen analysts sometimes are, you know, yeah. half what another one is. So we like to see more than one analyst that give us more comfort in that, that estimate going forward. But maybe that analyst is right. Maybe it goes up to six. Yeah. So and this is it's a little bit more risky than what we like to get into. And I'd say it's a lot more risky. And Aaron, I usually don't do this. But um, uh, again, I, I've got to say with that weak balance sheet, uh, this company could be in trouble You know, six months from now. Um, I, I really have to put a, a major sell on this company. Not to say that somehow they can't turn things around. That's always a possibility. But gosh, with that weak balance sheet, that low current ratio, uh, one analyst, it, it, there's almost nothing I can find in this company other than it's in energy that I can say to buy it. So unless you do a lot of reading, you found something else on it. But gosh, this is a very, very weak fundamentally company. Company. All right. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. All right. That opens the phone line, 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And I I hate to say somebody that has a company to be, be that strong on it, but gosh, I've I've not seen one with that weak of a balance sheet, and I can't remember how long. And it's just such a small company. And what I'm going to say too with energy, uh, the problem I see is with the type of regulatory environment we have with energy. I I really think it makes for a better case for the bigger oil companies because mm-hmm. they're the ones that can handle the regulatory burden where the smaller players, it, it, I think it makes it harder on them because it's almost like a fixed cost essentially where it's taking more of their profits, more percentage wise of it. And it, it's harder to overcome that. They don't have the same type of legal department and, you know, yeah. other things like maybe a Chevron and an Exxon have. Yeah. Kind of worries me about these types of smaller oil plays. Yeah, it, it, it's just something that you have to kind of be aware of, and I, yeah. and also too, we don't know much about Aaron as overall investing and so forth. But I, but I just had to throw it out there that it, I don't want people saying, "Oh, well, this could be a good opportunity because it's so low." Uh, I'd, I'd be too worried on that. I just so. say I wouldn't buy it. If I held it, I would sell it. Exactly. Alrighty, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brand. Chase, how can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'd like uh, you to review the stock Magna International that symbols MGA. They okay. reported earnings a few weeks ago, and they, they beat um, the revenue, and they beat the estimate, and they had forward guidance going up, so I'm looking for evaluation. And th- th- this company has done quite well. So it is a Canadian company. Right. Uh, and, and, Wayne, do you hold it or looking at buying it? Yes. 
Okay. All right. Let's take a look to Magna International. Symbol is MGA. Uh, I, I don't have the uh, industry compared to, so I'm just going with the numbers with you, with you here. Uh, P ratio for Magna is 27.5, which is kind of pricey. Uh, price to sales is good, 0.88. Price to book value is good as well, 3.4. And the price of cash flow, 12.3. That's probably norm for the industry. We do see that the dividend yield, 1.7%. They only use 44% of their earnings to pay that out. I'm okay with that. We do see, unfortunately, sales are down year over year, 8.9%, but that is better than, oh, I was going to say the industry. That's not the industry, so forget that. I, I was going to look at the wrong thing to compare it to. Uh, don't like seeing sales down 0.9%. We do see, however, earnings did climb by 23.5%. The balance sheet for Bangda, I like that. They got a current ratio of 1.4. That is good. Debt to equity, only 35%. Uh, we do see that return on equity is 101 and net profit margin is 3.1, and receivable turnover is 5.3, inventory turnover 8.2. I'm liking what I see here. I think it's pretty reasonable. What about the earnings going forward, Chase? Yeah, so current price here for Magna International, it's $100.59, 52-week high right at that level, $100.79. 52-week low, though, $41.17. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $9.19. Would give us a target sell price of $152.55. So, I mean, the valuations still look good. The business still looks good overall. I will say, I know we've talked about this before, Wayne. Uh, last year, they had kind of an article in Barron's where they talked mm-hmm. about how Magna could kind of be more of a builder for, like, the Fiskers. And, and almost ty- right. kind of like in the, the chip industry where Taiwan Semiconductors builds for, like, AMD and other chip companies. That was kind of going to be Magna's role. I'm just very curious how that business is progressing I'm, i know one year is not going to change it tremendously but is that still going on the right path where they're going to be you know have that potential to, to help other automakers in that fashion and, and chase what was the price uh current price it's a hundred dollars and 59 cents yeah so it's come up quite a bit i remember for years it stayed around the 50 level i mean i i wouldn't buy it at this level yeah. um right. but the because at the end of last year it was 70 dollars a share yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, it, right. it's it's, I think, a very good business. I'd have to understand it a little bit. Another question I have about it, too, is how the chip shortage is impacting them. Does that have any impact on the business? Yeah. So yeah. there's a couple questions to it, but I, I I, don't like that it's at that 52-week high. Again, we don't like to buy when it's around then, but um, I don't dislike went, the company. It went up $5 the past week. About 95 was the low. So it, it was and tar- I read an analyst review, and they're only, they're only putting a target price or valuation on the stock at 120 so I'm, that's why I was curious, and you know, we've been every time I've talked to you about it, the valuation has, has basically increased. So, yeah. which is anyway. a good sign because that means the earnings are going yeah. up. Exactly. And what was the target sell price again, Chase? One fifty-two. Ooh, it's pretty high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is that? But pretty high, but it's based on reasonable assumptions. So yeah. So Wayne, I, I definitely hold on to it. Yeah. Already. Yeah, me too. Can I, can I make a statement about the real estate market? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Sure. I have a history of being in the real estate and construction business my whole life, and what I'm hearing from my friends that are still brokers and involved day to day is people are making offers and removing all contingencies, including not even an inspection of the property. And there's a number of houses in San Diego that are 50, 60 years older or older <laughs> that guys are flipping and you have to be aware of just the cosmetic improvements they're doing, not the real bones of the property to, to people that are just throwing their money around right now. And when you said you were kind of like in the construction part of it as well. So these houses mm-hmm. are 50, 60 years old. What do you right. think is going to happen to these people two, five years down the road with some of these houses? 
they could have major repairs yeah. that they never thought they were going to be responsible for. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at electrical, you're looking at plumbing, so items like that, that the average person doesn't see when they look when they go to buy a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that new flooring looks really great. That's not real wood, you know. <laughs> the cosmetics the look open nice. Floor plan everybody wants. Well, we took out a supporting wall, and there's no problem. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's just my point of view. We appreciate that, Wayne. Thank you. Okay. Have a good day, Joan. You Thank too. Bye bye. All right, that opens the phone line eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And it's kind of amazing, Chase. I mean, a lot of people, and we'll hear from again David Suter around nine twenty this morning about you know his opinion also on the real estate market. But it's just kind of uh, you know amazing what people are kind of thinking about when it comes to why are you buying at these prices. I just don't get it. I'm waving. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, yeah. but like waving an inspection, as Wayne said. I mean, you could have all of a sudden this foundation issue that could cost you half of what you paid for that not half but right. you know a, a large percentage of what you paid for that it could be like two hundred thousand dollars to replace the foundation right i mean that could just be detrimental to you and your family also too you move in there maybe you have to move out during repairs yeah now, that's going to cost you money i got paid for it's, hotel and everything else and and, and and even too now i assume if they're waiving the inspections i assume that means they're waiving the termite inspections as well i, I guess that's part of it maybe but then all of a sudden you move in, like, oh, my gosh, there's termite damage of tens of thousands of dollars that we didn't know about. I mean, it's just craziness. Never, never works out good. So, alrighty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to San Marcos and speak with Phil. Phil, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. I heard you in the uh, intro talking about airline stocks and while I was on hold, I wanted to talk about Boeing uh, BA. Mm -hmm. uh, early in the month, I was putting in limit orders when anytime it fell to 225 or less, I would buy and try and accumulate a little. Mm -hmm. I've been pleasantly surprised the last five days that it's shot up. Uh, I was going to put in uh, some sell orders to, uh, when it got to 250 to get rid of it. Now I'm kind of rethinking that strategy i haven't really seen much on the financial side or the uh, fundamental side and was curious to get your angle because i i was originally thinking this was a long long-term play to see if they can get back to their glory days of the mid 300s that i that i think that i saw before all of the the faa stuff in the pandemic so curious mm -hmm. on your thoughts yeah, and I'm so glad you called about Boeing because I have seen the stock price, you know, increase, you know, to, to levels that just makes no sense to me. I know that they took on about $40 billion of debt. I know that the airlines took on more debt. It, it's just like, how is this going to continue on over the next five to 10 years? Because sooner or later, you got to pay that debt back. So I really want to look at Boeing to see what we come up with based on the numbers because it gives me like a feeling that does no one know what kind of debt they have but i mean now with what 30 trillion dollars for government debt maybe nobody cares about debt any longer i don't know kind of crazy but i still worry about it so let's take a quick look at uh, boeing here symbol is ba uh unfortunately no pe ratio which means they've made no earnings over the last 12 months uh price to sales 2.5 versus 2.1 for the industry and here's something that's amazing no price to tangible book value and no price to cash flow I mean, this company is just really trading, I think, on what could happen in the future. And I think people are forgetting about all the debt with the airlines. Looking at their sales growth year over year, well, that's down 27.7%. The industry was down 21 
Earnings per share for Boeing fell by 239% when the industry was down 97. Again, the balance sheet, there, you know, current ratio does look okay, 1.3 versus 1.4, but there's no equity, so no debt to equity. I think I might check the debt when uh, you're looking at the numbers going forward, Chase. Uh, we do see return on equity. Well, nothing there, no equity. Net profit margin, a negative 20.8 versus a positive 0.14. And then receivable turnovers of 4.8 versus 4.4 and inventory turnover. Now, again, these are, in this last 12 months, these are big planes, but it's only 0.75 versus 2.3 for the industry. They're just not turning over or selling a lot of planes. Chase, what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward on Boeing? Yeah, well, current price here for Boeing is $247.02, 52-week high $278.57, and the low is $141.58. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.14 would give us a target sell price at $85.32. Now, I will say that the reason it's trading at these levels now is the hope that they can kind of get through all these issues so the earnings should accelerate quite quickly. But my problem is even when it was trading at $350, we didn't like Boeing because it, it was just so expensive. Yeah. And I, I just think now it's kind of surpassed a potential value opportunity. I, I don't really see the value aspect to Boeing any longer. And I mean, you talk about competition is have they lost market share, substantial amount of market share to Airbus? And I know mm -hmm. there's not a lot of players here, but if pl uh, planes and um, not planes, but if airlines started kind of switching over to the Airbus fleet, well, now they might have lost out on some customers. So I do worry about that. I worry about the debt level, which I think you have pulled up. Yeah, I have that pulled up. I was also going to say, too, that uh, this could be another GM situation back in 2008 where Boeing's not going to go away because there's only two players yeah. in the industry. But what can happen is this company could have to recapitalize to take care of the creditors and the shareholders lose everything because right now their, their debt, this is their, their total debt is $63.6 billion. That is up from $38.9 billion uh, just one year ago. And, and, and that is what really worries me. I mean, you, the debt just keeps going and going. And, and I'm sorry, debt has to be paid back. And if the creditors aren't getting their money because, well, sorry, we didn't sell as many planes we thought we would, they can force this going to bankruptcy. And what, the current ratio was okay, but not enough to sustain that. Well, and I, I will kind of counter that with saying you'd have to look at it a little bit closer um, because I, I'm 90% sure they do financing. That's true. For, I mean, you're right. such a large ticket right. item. I'm, I'm guessing they do financing, but I know their operational debt has climbed substantially as well. So that might not all right. be from operations, but there is still, I think, a good chunk of it, which could be detrimental to the, the company moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and that's why we, when we give these numbers out, we do want to tell people to look a little bit deeper because there's other things to it. But also, too, their equity has fallen from a negative $9.6 billion uh, down to a negative $18 billion. So it, it just gets you know, worse and worse. And I know people love this company and they love the stock. And, and again, I, I don't want to see this company go under because it is a great American company, but gosh, financially, it, it, it just worries me. And I, I, I wouldn't touch this. And, and Phil, I know you're making money off it. You're kind of concerned that maybe it will go back higher and it could, but financially, there's no reason for Boeing to be trading at these levels. And, and that could change if I just don't see a lot of plane sales going forward in the next three, three years. Or and I, I'm not sure either, but I, I do believe last year when they had, of course, the issues with the balance sheet, is I do believe they issued some stock as well, a substantial amount of stock, yeah. which is kind of like we talked about earlier with AMC, is as they issue more shares, maybe they get back to that 350 level you were discussing, but now 
that company's market cap has expanded even larger because the share's outstanding. So I, I, I just worry about it. I mean, I don't like to worry about my investments. I like to know that we're in a, a safe company. I, I just don't feel safe with Boeing. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It, it, it could trade the stock game for a while here, Phil, but um, I'd be very careful with it. I would not buy it. Uh, just be very careful with it. Would it. Already? Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out my limit as far as the sell point. Um, I, I get it. I, I know all about their their balance sheet, and I know that they're a lagging indicator to the rest of the airlines anyway because the airlines have got a, uh, you know, on the entire food chain, they're going to be last in line. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that they do seem to go up with with route really. I mean, it's kind of like what you guys were talking in the intro about AMC, and you know, maybe two fifty is the right number, maybe two forty. Because even two forty, I'm making I'm making like thirty seven percent, not thirty seven, but seven or eight percent in one or two months. I, I'd take that every single day. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out where that right limit order is to establish that floor i guess yeah and and that's the hard part because financially there's no reason to be buying boeing the thing is it could continue on with this craziness that they have the thing is you have to know when to get off of the merry-go-round because if, we, if you don't it's going to spin spin out of control so uh yep. you, you're kind of in the gambling road road right now and i don't think because we're saying this on on tuesday because money's a holiday yeah. tuesday the stock's gonna drop dramatically it's gonna go on for a while but uh, sooner or later somebody's gonna wake up and realize that the king has no clothes on so already just a quick comment on the real estate from that last caller is i'm in the construction business too mm-hmm. and believe it or not the new home construction the permits that they're issuing for that is sky high i actually see a boom in real estate mm-hmm. i agree with you guys the housing prices especially in southern california are ridiculous but I see new home construction, if if anything, increasing. At least that's what me and my company are forecasting. So I'll uh, take your comments offline. Sure, sure. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling, Phil. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You want to comment on that, Chase? I did want to comment on the Boeing thing real quick. Was oh. just... I was going to comment um, on the real estate. But I was going to comment on that, too. I know we're running a long time. But uh, it just seems right now in the market and going back to too much money in the economy, it seems like anytime there is like a headline, it doesn't matter what the company's trading at. It's like, oh, Boeing got their 737 MAX fix. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen, but it still goes up. Right. And I think it's just people, again, with so much money, it's like, oh, that's an interesting headline. They, they dump into it. And there's this a lot of trend investing, which scares me. So yeah, yeah, a lot of trend investing, experienced investors, and, and they will, I'm sorry, it happens many times over the years where they will get burnt because it always comes back to the fundamentals. Uh, in regards to the comment on the, the new home builder, because I guess that's what he's doing, the new homes, uh, yeah, that is doing very well because the demand is definitely there. Um, but the problem with new home building is that, that, that the cost, they just keep going up and up. And, and, and so I, I think his business, I forget his name, but his business doing very well uh, as a home builder, but you got to have people there to buy those homes. And, and the permits there. I, I know I've been climbing, but I, I'm curious on the construction side if they're seeing the same problems that we're seeing across the country or if they're able to still have good margins here right. at the levels with lumber, copper, and all the input costs. So I know the permits are high, but right. are they following through on the buildings? I know that new home sales have kind of pulled back a little bit, but I completely agree. We need new home sales. Oh, yeah. The problem is demand is there. We want to have people to buy houses. The supply is the issue. 
And the, the thing is, if the new homes, they can ramp it up, you could actually see prices on homes fall off because now you increase the supply. Yep. So I, I think we need new homes. I think that's fantastic. But can they be built at a profitable margin? Yeah. And I think right now the demand is there. I, I, I'm just predicting that I think by the end of the year, we're going to have a different story. Uh, now, now, interest rates, again, a 10-year treasury bumps around 1.6. Yeah. Uh, I, I still am going to stick with our prediction that by the end of the year, it's going to be around 2%. I think that's going to start pushing people out of the market. So as a home builder, I, I mean, he's seeing the great things. I think he said it, did say they're predicting even better right. things going forward. I, I wish he was still on the line so I could ask him, well, what is he seeing to make that prediction, why I think things will be better. Uh, the other thing, too, uh, and I'm kind of giving things away from our realtor, Dave Suter, coming on. Um, but he says he sees a lot of these homes being sold. People leave in California yeah. uh, and try to get a U-Haul. He says you can't get a U-Haul because they're all going out of California. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, and this is, what is great. We like to listen to all different sides of the story because, you know, we have the crystal ball in the office. It doesn't seem to work right all the time. Um, but it's just something that we have to be, you know, kind of looking at. We, we like different opinions because that's what makes you think. Yeah. If no one ever... If everyone agreed with you, you probably would have very bad analysis because you wouldn't cause you to think about other things. Yeah. yeah and it, it doesn't oftentimes change my point of view. Like I, I will mm -hmm. never deviate from value investing, but it's right. because we have the analysis and we look at things in a particular way that, you know, it just makes the most sense. And we've looked at different things. Oh, Tesla. Yeah. The argument for things like that. Sorry, Brendan, uh, is that, <laughs> oh, it's done yeah. so great. I'm up so much on it. And yeah, but it's so exciting and things that yeah. just doesn't create the allure for me. I, I like the safety of buying good, sound companies that I know are going to be here. And yeah, you miss the, the ones that go up. You miss the Dogecoins and stuff. But yeah. I, I, I'm not a gambler. It's about long-term investing that you hold that, not just hot-term investing to where you did well for five years. Um, all right, we're going to take, we're gonna take a, a break here in a minute here. I do want to let uh, John and Chula Vista, Richard in San Diego, and Todd in San Diego uh, we're going to get to you when we come back from the break. So if you can hold with us, uh, that'll be fine. I know that we had Ortura called in about Apple. Uh, he did hang up. We'll try to get to that. So we've got a lot to do in the second uh, hour here. Um, but again, if you want to call in, I think we have, it looks like one line open as well. 866-577-2473. 866-577-2473. We will get through you before the 10 o'clock hour comes through. But uh, a lot of great calls today. I'm looking forward to getting these other calls as well, talking with these people. Yeah, no, yeah definitely. We, we got, uh, I see Ford is on there, uh, a company called eBang International Holdings. That's from John. And then GPI. I don't recognize that symbol from Todd. Do you? No, I don't recognize that yeah, one. I, 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 think, uh, I think John is up next and Chula Vista, then Todd, then Richard. Uh, so, yeah, we got a lot, of, a lot of great things to talk about. So, you all listen to the Smart Vent Show, Brent and Chase. Phone numbers again, 866 577 2473. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Alrighty, looks like we're back already. Gosh, that break just flies on by just to stand up and stretch, and I gotta sit down and get back to work here. Phone number is 866 577 2473. As promised, let's get right back to the phones. Gonna go out to John in Chula Vista. John, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good. Good morning. Okay, so it was, I guess he didn't hear me. It's E B O N. Yes. But. Yeah, not e, not E B A N. Oh yeah, did I? Because actually, I did put in E B O N, so that is what it is, right? E Bang International Holdings. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We, right. uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. and the other one was Solo S O L O. Okay. Well, we can only do one. I already pulled up E Bang for you. Uh, oh, do you okay. hold that, John, or looking to buy it or what? I just sold it, and I'm just wondering if I should get back in once it goes up a little bit. Okay. Well, and I'm not seeing much on this company. Maybe Chase yeah. has more because I'm not seeing any P ratio. I'm not seeing any price of sales, no price to book value, uh, no sales earnings, no, no nothing here. I, I, I've got nothing from Reuters, and maybe it's a very small company. Chase, do you have eBank pulled up yet here? Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of having the same issue. Not a lot of data here. I uh, have some. All right, oh. then let's go to Solo. Forget that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's try to change gaze here. Uh, so yeah, what's I was going to say it is a Chinese company. Okay, so that, yeah, that might yeah, be yeah. Yeah. Well, What's the symbol? Uh, Solo the symbol? or what's the symbol? I think it's S-O-L-O. S-L-O-O? No, S-O. Sierra Oscar, Lima Oscar. Solo. Like, oh. uh, is it Ele- oh. Electra? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mag- yeah. Okay, Solo. All right, let's, let's see what we, we get on this one here. Uh, and I get Electrochemica Vehicles Corporation? Yeah. Oh, Okay. All right, well, let's see what we have on that. Uh, we do see, unfortunately, starters, no P.E. ratio versus 73 for the industry. Uh, price to sales, 635 versus 2.9. Price to book value, 1.6. That is far better than the industry at 7.4 and no price to cash flow. We do see uh, they do not pay a dividend. Their sales are up 11.5% year over year. Industry is actually down 6.4. Unfortunately for this company, uh, sales, or I'm sorry, earnings were down 324% when the industry was up 2,647. Wow. Uh, they've got a strange balance sheet here. They've got a current ratio, I've never seen this before, of 68 versus 1.3. And I might take a chance to kind of look at the balance sheet to see why that's so strange. Uh, their debt to equity is very good. It's 0.75 versus 156, so they don't have any debt, which means they can really weather, whether it's a downturn or a storm. Uh, return on equity very low. Uh, actually, it's a negative 43 versus a positive 11.3. Net profit margin, another strange number, a negative 9,292 versus a positive 4. We've got a great receivable turnover of 30 versus 3.2, but inventory turnover not so good, 1.4 versus 8.8. Uh, Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so I did want to take a look at what this company does exactly first. And uh, kind of my speculation on why the current ratio is the way it is, is it is a development stage company, uh, mm-hmm. develops, manufactures, and sells electric vehicles. The company operates in two segments, electric vehicles and custom builds. Uh, its flagship product is the Solo. It's a single-seat vehicle, and they're also developing mm-hmm. a two-seater Roadster. Uh, it also develops and manufactures custom-built vehicles. But if I look at you know, sales, is last year the company did, gosh, I don't even know, what is that, 610000 in sales? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think 610000 in sales. So, I mean, it, it's it's kind of, I think, in that development, and hopefully they're launching and, and going to start getting some sales. But 
I don't know enough about, I guess, the, the Canada market for cars mm-hmm. and they're, if they're, they're coming here. here. So it, it's definitely a lot of questions they're here. here. They're, they are here. They are here? They just opened up a facility in Mesa, Arizona two weeks ago. Okay, for a manufacturing facility? That's correct. Okay. And, John, what, what were you saying about that? I thought you said something about UTC. Uh, that's where I found them was here uh, in La Jolla. They were advertising their – they brought a, a vehicle out, and that's where I got interested and said, oh, this could be a nice little um, – Roll of the dice, see if they do mm-hmm. well. Yeah, well, yeah. I will. I will tell you. I haven't given the numbers yet either. Oh, yeah. oh so I'm sorry. Go ahead. We, we got <laughs> off track there. So, uh, but just kind of looking at the current price, it's three dollars and seventy-five cents. Fifty-two week highs, thirteen dollars and sixty cents, and fifty-two week lows, one dollar and eight cents. But uh, as you kind of talked about, it is quite speculative. I go to two thousand twenty-two. There's no estimate for earnings per share. I don't see any even until two thousand twenty-four. Market cap is quite small as well, four hundred twenty-three million. So. I think you phrased it there perfectly, John. It's a, a roll of the dice is, is the best mm-hmm. way to put it. Yeah, and this the, the dice look like they could be in your favor here, like they're, they're kind of fixed. And I'll tell you why I said that. I'm not sure where the money's coming from, but a year ago they had cash of only $5 million. They now have cash of $260 million, which is, which is very good. And for a company like this, uh, their assets went from $18 million to $286 million. They don't have much debt at all. I mean, their, their total debt is only $2 million, up from uh, 950000 a year ago. And they actually have equity, which is very unusual for a company like this. Uh, it's now $269 million in equity. Now, that could dissipate as you start maybe investing more. But so far, it looks pretty good. And, and, and I, if you're going to speculate, speculate on a company that has a strong balance sheet because they, they can be around for a while and, and, and wait for things to turn around. So... Uh, it is speculative, obviously, but uh, they do have long hold. Yeah, and I, I would love. I'm a car guy, so I'd love to see the cars, see what they look like. They look terrible to oh. me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very small, but oh no, that... <laughs> <laughs> you won't see that in my garage. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but they do have some other. They have some other vehicles there too. Just the one the one I saw was the one seater. It's yeah, it it wasn't much to it, but. I just thought electric's coming. It's a great city car if you're just driving around. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and again, it's a different concept. It's not for car guys, but it's for practicality of what it looks like. It's a one seat mm-hmm. electric car. Get you probably from, cheap. Probably <laughs> very cheap. Get you from maybe, you know, UTC uh, to. 20 grand. 20 grand. Yeah. Uh, 15 to 20 grand for the single one. But, you know, Biden coming in, he's pushing the electric everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that we can, I believe that it's going to go like he wants. But I think. This might have been. That's what I was trying to write on is the uh, sentiment of the of the people that are investing. Yeah, and and, and this one again, it, it looks like it would have some potential. I don't know the the competition or anything else out there, but again, looking at the car, the they car. actually have a picture of the car. They actually have the car. And, you know, speculative goes. This this could be something to where the stock does go up. And I'm not worried well. about them going bankrupt like a yeah. lot of other speculative yeah. companies. So that, exactly. that's positive. Nice. I, right. okay. I, I, I will say, John, it's an interesting choice. How's that? <laughs> well, I actually touched the car, so that's kind of what got me into it. And I said, uh, I might as well buy some. I, I didn't want to buy the car. I'm going to buy the car. If the thing makes money, I'll buy the car with the, uh, the growth. Okay. Well, if you <laughs> so, buy the car, come by. We'll take a picture of it and we'll put it on our social media. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Thank you so much, Chase. Okay, John. Thanks for calling. And Brent. Yes. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866. 
2473. And Chase, I don't think Brenda would buy the car. I wouldn't buy the car. I didn't hear your opinion. Did you buy the car? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was kind of hoping when I, I saw it was a single seater. You know how we looked at Polaris, I think it was last weekend, and we were talking, they had those uh, kind of vehicles that are on the road as well uh, that you kind of see driving by. I forget the name of them. I think those look kind of cool. Uh, oh, the slingshots, I the think. The slingshots, yeah, slingshot, yeah. I think that's it. Those look kind of cool. Yeah. I was like, maybe it's not kind of like that. I, I don't think I see myself in that one. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, yeah. It's not me. Yeah, and, and it's funny. I thought about getting those slingshots because I just think they'd be uh, I think it'd be fun. Fun to drive. It's but like I, a motorcycle. Like a motorcycle. But, but I, I can see myself kind of spinning the thing around and doing all kind of fun things with it, which probably is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. so, all right. Let's go back out to uh, San Diego and speak with Richard. Richard, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. I wanted to see what you thought about Ford. It's really popped up the last few weeks. And I was wondering if you think they're going to ever reinstate their dividends. All right. Yeah, let's take a little Ford. And, and Richard, do you hold it or looking to buy it? I do hold it. I bought it um, a few different times. I think the lowest I bought it was like six and a half, mm-hmm. seven bucks. Yeah, and I'm glad to see them turn around. I think they, they hit around 13 a share, which Chase will kind of share with us. But I'm I'm kind of glad. I, I, I did see the on, on the Fox Business the uh, promo, promotion of the electric F-150. Uh, the president driving that said he would run over reporters. <laughs> that was kind of funny, but okay. Uh, but uh, let's take a look at the Ford Motor Shouldn't Company. Shouldn't let those old guys drive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I don't think they actually showed him driving, but I think he was behind the wheels. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll. <laughs> but um, let's take a look at the Ford Motor Company. Symbol is F. Uh, a good start here, uh, uh, Richard, because we see a P ratio of 14.7 versus 73. Uh, price of sales also looking good, 0.44 versus 2.9. Price to book value, 1.7 versus 7.5. And then price of cash flow, 4.6 versus 15.8. So the valuation ratios for Ford looking pretty good. Now, as far as the dividend goes, we might be able to tell more how we feel as we go along with it. But right now, I'm going to hold off on the, the dividend prediction. We do see, unfortunately, sales were down 13.9% year over year. Industry was down 6.4. Earnings per share did climb by 230 versus 2,647. So nice climb on the earnings for the company and the, the industry. We do see current ratio 1.2, almost the same as the industry at 1.3. Now, debt to equity is 451 versus 156. That sounds high, but again, we have to remember that they do loan money on the cars, so you have to dig deeper to get the real operational uh, debt to equity. We see return on equity is 12.5 versus 11.3. That is good. Net profit margin checks in at 3.1 versus 4. And then receivable turnover is 15 versus 3.3. And inventory turnover also looking good at 10 versus 8.8. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Ford is $14.53. 52-week high, well, that's $15.05. And that 52-week low, $5.57. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $1.72. Would give us a target sell price of $28.55. So it looks good in terms of that valuation aspect. Uh, we do know with car companies, the earnings can be quite cyclical. Uh, so that is something to keep in the back of your mind. And I do kind of have somewhat of a prediction, somewhat of an idea mm-hmm. on the dividend is Ford did come out. And I think they popped a lot because of their electric platform they came right. out with. Well, them, GM, they also cut their dividend. They're having to kind of invest more in that, that future growth. So my thought process on the dividend is, and I think people aren't going to be as happy with it, is I think they'll reinstate the dividend at a lower rate 
come third mm-hmm. quarter. And, and I looked at the cash flow statement because a year ago, the cash flow was a negative $473 million cash flow year to date, which is uh, what, uh, how many months are we looking at here? Uh, well, it's only three months. Okay, so it's for the, for the year, $4.5 billion. The thing you have to understand with car companies is their cash flow is very, very different from quarter to quarter, and it fluctuates very substantially. Well, yeah, and, and, and first quarter of 2020 was terrible. Yeah. But again, I think they were prepared for a very yeah. long downturn, and that has turned around. So I think they will uh, bring back the dividend. I'm, I'm thinking the third quarter is one of my guesses. I still think it's going to be at a lower rate. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think it's a possibility because I don't know what the rate was before. Yeah. But if you want to really look at that to see – uh, I, I think you'd have to compare what the cash flow was back in 2019, what the dividend rate was then, and then see, okay, how is it is now? And yes, they're putting more money into the electric side, but um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I've, I've just listened to Mary Barra talk a lot at GM, and she mm-hmm. talks about there's a lot more growth opportunities. There's a lot more growth opportunities. And I haven't read anything on Ford, so I'm not sure, but I'm guessing yeah. they're probably thinking the same route. And just the way that she's talked there, I, I just don't see them returning that dividend at the same level because they're looking for a lot more growth, which in theory should be better for the stock price. And I hope Ford Ford can follow. And they come out with a 2 to 3% dividend, yeah. which would be very reasonable in today's time, but still give them cash to do more R&D going forward. So, yeah. So uh, does that help you out at all, Richard? Yeah, I think that's a good analysis. Uh, yeah, they are trying to reinvent themselves. So, a lower dividend is probably more realistic because they were a fairly high dividend. That was one of the reasons why I invested in them initially. Yep. Yeah. So. But if it keeps going up in price, I'll be happy with that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Richard, thank you for calling. You have a good one. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Todd, who's been waiting very patiently. Todd, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? So it seems like automotive sector is a hot trend right now. This is uh, Stock Group 1 Automotive. Mm-hmm. They own a series of dealerships. They actually have some in San Diego as well. And I wanted to get you guys' take on them. Okay. Uh, what's the dealership name? Uh, do we recognize? I see Group 1 Automotive is a company. You guys might. So they, they own... Um, a Volkswagen dealership in Kearney Mesa over by Mesa College. Okay. 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 Is that the and they one? have quite a few in Texas as well. They sold a couple other ones here that were in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like they might be trying to get out of California. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> the regulations are probably killing them. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look at uh, Group One Automotive Incorporated, symbol is GPI. As I said, a great start here. I mean, P/E ratio is only 8.2 versus 46. I that that's a good start. Wow, price of sales 0.26 versus 1.6. Price to book value nine versus 22, and price to cash flow is only 6.7 versus 15. So I'm I'm gonna say a great start here based on the valuation ratios. Now you you do get a small dividend of 0.8 percent, but they only use three percent of the earnings to pay that out. Now, this is surprising to me. Sales are down 6.3% year over year when the industry is up 12.6. However, earnings per share climbed by 118%. Uh, the industry was up 5,000%. The balance sheet, not, gonna, uh, not quite as good as I'd like it to be. Current ratio is 1.1 versus 1.4. Debt to equity, 145 
versus 65. So I would like to see lower debt. And usually at 145, I, I'll usually walk away from the company. Uh, return on equity is very good. 25 versus 19.6. Net profit margin, 3.2 versus 3.4. And receivable turnover is 58 versus 34. And inventory turnover, 5.6, which above the industry of 3.9. And the industry is new car dealers. Chase, tell us about the earnings. Well, a uh, couple thoughts there. I, I was just thinking about when you talk about the earnings, I, I do wonder if they do have a used car department or is it, if it's just new cars. Because if it's used cars, they do. They do they have do used correct. cars. That might be mm -hmm. part of the reason their profits have gone up so much because we know used cars mm -hmm. have grown quite substantially. And on the debt, too, I, I would be curious. Um, I, I forget the exact terminology, but when we looked at Penske Automotive, and this was years ago, yeah. it's like floor financing, or, or I forget the exact term for it. Oh. But what happens is when they take yeah. that car, they have to essentially finance that car for the lot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah they don't buy the cars. They actually look, borrow the cars or borrow or, loan on the cars, and then when they sell them, they pay off those loans. So yeah, there's a terminology for it that they work with. So that could be part of the, the debt to equity. Yeah. Which could mean maybe, hey, this balance sheet isn't as bad as the 145. And at 145, I mean, that's not that high. Even if it's a small portion, they, they could yeah. actually have a pretty clean balance sheet. So something yeah. to understand there. Well, we might like this company, depending on what you come up with the earnings over there. Yeah. I mean, looking at uh, current price of 159.48, the 52-week high is 175 dollars and four cents 52 week lows 55 dollars and 80 cents i go out to december 2022 i see estimated earnings per share of 20 dollars and 31 cents would give us a target sell price of 337 dollars and 15 cents i mean the values there in terms of the, the ratios i i do just wonder a couple items would be you know how do they do during car sale downturns and, and last year car sales actually held up quite well but right. how would they do during a recession because you know obviously if they're not doing that well that could be very problematic could be quite cyclical like we said with ford the other thing is how are they taking on i swear i see new ones every week but carvana and shift and yeah. you know these online dealers i i don't see it going completely that way i i don't feel that comfortable doing that just yet and i'm younger so mm -hmm. I, I i just don't see that becoming the complete wave of the future but it still could hold up some future growth for this business. Yeah, and I, and I gotta say, I, I looked at using Carvana to buy a car, and I was not impressed at all. I called him. The fees on top of fees were just unbelievable. But it's cool. Well, no, I'm I'm just, I'm not. it's hip. And, and again, <laughs> you, and oh, you can return the car, but I remember well, it wasn't quite as good as it sounded to return yeah. the car. I still think you gotta get in a car and drive it. I know Carvana's doing very well, but again, uh, people are buying houses while well, <laughs> looking at the inspections on them. So uh, I, I just think you've gotta, you know, open the hood in the car and so forth. So I like these dealerships. I'm glad to, glad to hear you say that. I, I work in the sales department in the auto industry. So <laughs> that's music <laughs> to my ears. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's going to be people that just buy a car. Oh, it's just a car. But I, I think the smart buyer, uh, especially when it comes to cars, because you've got to you know take that for a test drive and you've got to you know talk to the, the, the salesperson to, to find out more about that car because just to buy it through Carvana, I would – not recommend or never do it because it was the experience was terrible i didn't even pull the trigger when i talked to the guys i think it was like 300 dollars or something and then i had to pay to send it back it was like forget it well i looked at it as well <laughs> and that the prices as you said weren't I, I thought hey well maybe it's nationwide you can get a better yeah. deal because it it's you know there's more players so to speak but yeah I, I got a way better price at a local dealer found exactly what i wanted went and test drove it and yeah yeah it's i i don't see the the hype around that so i i think 
this is an interesting business. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of like this, Todd. And, and 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 do you work for the dealership because you said sell cars? Do you work for them or no? I do not. So I used to work for them only for about three months, and then they sold the company to the dealership that I work for now. Oh. And they seemed like they they ran a tight ship, mm-hmm. um, and they were a good company to work for. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept an eye on them, and they have a ton of growth this year. Um, so I was like, man, you know, I, I do own that stock. I wish I would have bought a little bit more. Yeah, I, the stock looks pretty good. I, I got to ask you, uh, what dealership do you work for? What kind of cars do you sell? Yeah, I work for Kearney Mesa Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram over on oh. Balboa. Oh, okay. Hey, and I got to ask you real quick. Do they still make yeah. the Viper? They stopped making the Viper again, didn't they? They did stop making the Viper. Yeah, so we ended up doing a lot of the Dodge Charger, Dodge Challenger, Hellcats, and the Red Eyes, yeah. and oh, I love that, that kind of overtook that segment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got a 94 Dodge Viper RT10 in my garage. I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear Ooh. that because maybe the price will go up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things are, man, that's a nice collector's item right there. They don't make them anymore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Hey, Todd, we'll, we'll let you go. Thanks for calling, and, and uh, I assume your car sales are going pretty well there. They are. Yeah, they are. Um, it looks like this inventory issue, you know, between uh, factories being limited with COVID and this chip issue, it looks like it's kind of starting to settle itself out. Mm-hmm. So we're expecting a lot more inventory here shortly, new car inventory. Good. Good to hear. Well, Todd, uh, don't be a stranger. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And we've talked a fair amount about real estate today. So let's turn to the expert, Dave Souter, to talk more about real estate. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing this morning? Great. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. We've had a couple of calls uh, talking about real estate and some crazy things going on. And you're going to talk about the price increases. What's going on? So I'm going to give you the floor. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. I just wanted to um, kind of report to everyone about the current state of the real estate market right now in San Diego. It's it's a bit nuts. Um, a lot of people are already aware that prices have been rising, but I'm going to share some boring facts and statistics so we, you can, people like can really wrap their <laughs> yeah people can really wrap their head around it because it's it's pretty um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, first. I want to look at the active number of listings on the MLS. Just a few years ago, let's say August of 2018, there were over 15,000 active listings. And that represented what's known as a five-month supply of inventory. And that's actually a healthy a healthy number. It's a standard number for a balanced type of marketplace. Um, again, a five-month supply at 15,000 listings. By December of 2019, it dropped to 5,800 and now, April 2021, we only have 3,173 listings, just a little bit over 3,000. Wow. It's like only 21% of the number we had just in 2018, and it's only a one-month supply instead of a five-month supply. So you can get a feel for how unbalanced the, you know, the supply and demand is right now. The supply is super, super low. Um, back in August 18, again, when we had all that inventory, the median home price in San Diego was five, 575000 It's been climbing, of course, everybody knows. Last April, it was up to 600000 And this April, it's at 710000 18% higher than just a year ago. 
Um, according to S&P case shale, or San Diego market has grown the most of any California market since June of 2019. So we're seeing uh, we're seeing it all over California, but it's it's believe it or not highest in San Diego. Houses are also selling faster than they've ever sold. Back in August 2018, the average market time in San Diego was about 30 days. Now it's down to 20 days of, as of April this year, and honestly, in a lot of desired area. You'll see houses blow out within a week or two. Um, they'll be in escrow. This is all sad for the buyers because we're seeing multiple offers on most of the nicer homes. Sell, homes are selling for significantly over asking prices. Um, normally, the prices would be supported by what previous homes in the area have sold for. You know them. You know that they're called comps. Right. Um, before this year, um, it was normal for a buyer to be able to walk away or renegotiate if their appraisal for their loan um, didn't come in at the contract price. But since the comps don't support these higher prices, the appraisals have been coming in lower. Buyers are having to waive, actually waive their appraisal contingency in order to even get a deal. Um, you know, and this means they have to come up with the cash difference between the contract price and the appraisal price. Um, Many buyers are even paying all cash just to get a house into escrow. Um, we're seeing a lot of cash offers. Wow. Um, a bit of good news for the buyers is that the new listings coming on the market is rising a little bit. The most, <clears throat> the most recent high was uh, July last year when there were 49, almost 5,000 new listings that month coming on. Um, since December 2020, that number has been rising. And in April, we did have like over 4,300 come on. So it's not quite where it was, but we're seeing a little, you know, a little bit more listings coming online. Um, but it's odd because most experts predicted that, that, you know, more inventory would be available by now. Um, you know, rising interest rates, people seeing the higher prices, but it's not happening that quickly. And, um, with the super high prices these homes are bringing, I, I can't imagine we're not going to see more inventory. People are going to want to sell and grab these prices and run, especially if they want to leave this state. But even <laughs> if they don't, we see, you know, we see people downsizing. They, they, they're sellers. They get huge amounts for their house, but then they become buyers and they have to, they have to tussle with that and pay a lot more. Um, and, and Dave, I, I gotta ask you, you, you know, I'll say there's a big demand out there. I, I've heard that people are coming from like leaving the, the downtown areas, going to suburbs, people coming down from Northern California, but still there seems to be a lot of demand and, and where's it coming from? Do you know? Well, interestingly, Brent, it's not really even, I, I don't even think it's, um, an unusually high demand. I think, I think it's a normal demand. And I think that as we come out of COVID here and people are going back to work and everything else, it's increasing. But I think it's a normal demand. I think the problem is, like I said, the skewed supply. Yeah. When you only have a one-month supply of inventory and you have a normal buyer pool, that's one, you know, one-fifth of the number of homes they can choose from. So they're simply getting um, – uh, you know, bid out or, uh, you know, they're, they're losing homes, they're putting offers in on homes and they're losing it two or three times. And then they end up bidding a hundred thousand over asking price and eventually maybe get something. Um, but again, it's just the supply. There's nothing in Scripps Ranch right now. I think there's one or two, We're literally one or two listings. <laughs> wow. there's, there's usually like 30, 20, 30. Um, 
And, and it's similar that way all over. You, you just don't see active listings. When I run comps for clients now, we always look at the solds, obviously, to see what their ho- you know what houses have sold for. But then we look at the actives, and there's like there's always like you know just a couple, just a handful. So, so, so there's guess, no competition. Sellers got it made, and buyers don't <laughs> right so, now. So I, I guess the question is, why are people not selling like they had in the past? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> that, I didn't ask you another question, but I, that, that's yeah, a good I wish, question. I, I wish I knew. Um, I, I, it, it's still, I, I, you know, and, and, and nothing I've read and nothing that I've seen has even indicated why people think that's the case. Um, we, we, we made the excuse during COVID that, hey, everyone was hunkering down and nobody wanted to, you know, nobody wanted to move and deal with it all. But as we're coming out of that now, um, I, I, I still expect we will see more inventory coming online. It's got to, it's got to, you know, it has to right itself at some point, this inequity, this imbalance in the marketplace. But um, right now, you know, if you're a seller, it's the time. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't imagine a better time to sell. Yeah, and I was going to um, ask you, Dave, is uh, the, the thing is, I, I heard kind of what you said is, is people are saying, oh, well, you know, people are scared. They don't want to have people inside of their homes during COVID because they're worried they're going to catch COVID and letting people in. And, and that's still just not changing at all. I mean, it, that was kind of a, a falsehood, I guess, is, is what we're kind of seeing after the fact. Yeah, actually, you know, last year when I was listing homes, I thought, oh, we're going to be doing all kind of 3D virtual tours and people aren't going to want to come into houses. People that are selling aren't going to want to let people in. And frankly, um, that that didn't happen. Most people who were selling were just like, no problem. Let people come in and, and buyers want to see the house. They don't want to shop on. I mean, they shop online to to decide what they like, but they still want to go kick the tires. They still want to go yeah. see it. And so we we really were have you know like right now with this market the way it is I put a house on the market I'll have twenty showings in the first weekend. Wow. Um, I mean we just listed a house over in PQ nice house mind you but we put it on for one four it went into escrow two days later at one six seven. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I mean it's crazy. you know. Yeah. So that's the and so I don't know why sellers aren't selling. They're, like I said it's there's never been a better time. Um, and if, a lot of people, if, like I said, we, a lot of times we sell homes for people that are leaving the state and this is their retirement. This is one of the few places where you can actually make money, you know, in the California market, you yeah. get this appreciation and you can take that money and run out of state and live like a King. And I expected more people to be doing it, but they're, right. but they're not. Well, well, Dave, before I let you go, can you give your uh, number, your, your website for people to contact you if you want to sell your home? Because the thing we didn't talk about is that you only charge the 1% commission to sell which is unheard of, and it is true a 1% commission. Yeah, um, you know, I'm an independent broker, so I set my own rates. We only charge 1% to list. My phone number is 858-564-8531. And, and if people just have questions about real estate, I'm always willing to share information. You don't, um, you don't have to call just because you want to sell your house. But if you want to talk about that or any other thing in the real estate market, uh, it's 858 858- <laughs> what is it again? <laughs> five six four. I just I, I don't know why I can't remember. Eight five eight five six four eight five three one. And you have a really interesting website as well. Very easy to remember. What was it again? Suderrealty.com. S U D E R. My last name. Suderrealty.com. With one. Got a bunch of videos on there and I stuff. Think like one point or something you had. Maybe that's an email or something. No. 
I guess. I oh, you mean the easy, the easy version of it? Yes, the easy version. Um, I guess it's not so easy because <laughs> you and I can't remember. It. <laughs> I guess I'm too tired this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, get the phone number one more time, and we'll let you go. Eight five eight five six four eight five three one. Great. Well, Dave, thanks very much. Don't be a stranger. Keep us posted what's going on and see if we can find the answer of why the supply is so low. That's the important thing. Thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely keep my ear to the ground. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, again, that is uh, David Suter. If you want to contact him and, and you didn't get the phone number, you can go to my website, smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, I'll connect you with Dave so you can get that 1% uh, commission. He also has a great deal if you're going to buy as well uh, where you get back. 1% of the selling commission. So he'll explain all those details to you. Alrighty, phone numbers here, 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Mike. Mike, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Hey, sir. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I just have a quick question. So um, I have like a couple thousand dollars, like two or three, um, just sitting around, and I wanted to start an E-Trade account. I hear good and bad. Uh, can you give me some in, uh, input? Uh, I'm, the good is that I, I think there's probably no commissions for trading. I'm not sure what the bad is that you're hearing. Sounds like you had a couple thousand dollars for trading. I mean, we're not big traders. Uh, what we would say mm -hmm. to do is to invest the money. But I think E-Trade is a fine company. What, what is the negative that you heard on that? Well, right now it's just all the uh, additional paperwork where uh, I believe that they asked for. And... Um, at first, I thought it was like a big scam. You know, I'm like, what the heck? You need this, you need that, you need this. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, just afraid of stepping in right now. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, E-Trade is a very replica company. Actually, we, we actually, I talked to them uh, probably about a year ago. We actually looked at maybe having a custodian of our assets. Uh, I mm. believe they were owned by, I may get this. Is it Morgan Stanley? Yeah, I was going to say Morgan Stanley. Um, oh. But I, I see nothing wrong with E-Trade. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to encourage you to do a lot of trading with them, but if I think if we go there, you want to hold hold your couple thousand dollars, your few thousand dollars there, and and do a few trades with them, I, I think you'll be fine with them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not much difference than a Charles Schwab. I mean, we, to let you know, we use Charles Schwab's our custodian. We, we've been very happy with them, but nothing wrong with each trade okay. either. Yeah, and, and the paperwork is what it is. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't be worried about that. There's a lot of paperwork just just after the whole financial crisis. I mean, they yeah. have to kind of certify different things and. We know it's a pain in the butt. I mean, we, we kind of help take care of the paperwork for our clients and stuff because we know there's a lot to it sometimes. So I wouldn't be turned off by the paperwork. It is unfortunately what it is. Yep. And I would say, mm. Mike, be very careful what you invest in. That's going to be the important part. Yeah. Not the paperwork, but make sure you do some good investments there. Already? Okay. Do you guys actually uh, – uh, I, I, I've, I've never been to your website, so do, do you, like, like give suggestions on your website? Like, hey, this is looking good or this is looking good? Um, not really. I mean, here on the radio show, we'll, we'll kind of say, like we found, what was it, Group 1? We said that looked pretty good. We'll, we'll kind of point in the right direction. We won't come out and say, oh, this is a great buy because it takes a lot of research to actually invest in, in companies. But we'll, we'll get some ideas. Uh, I think on our, uh, we have a newsletter that we do, uh, the posts that we do on, on social media, sometimes we'll say things. But uh, the, the thing, I mean, to let you know, as an investment firm, we on average only do about four or five trades a year. I mean, it, that's really? how you should be. Yeah, it's not like, oh, we got trade, trade, trade. It's better mm -hmm. to buy a good business and then mm -hmm. let that business grow. Uh, and that's how you get your money to grow. And then add to it, you know, and, and let it grow. So it's not about trading. It's about what you buy. And I'm guessing you're maybe newer to the show here, Mike? Yes, sir, I am. 
Yeah, yeah. I would say listen to the show a little bit more. I mean, we also have our shows uh, podcasted on our website, so you can go back and listen to past shows. And also, too, uh, we do workshops on a, a monthly basis here. That that might kind of help you learn a little bit more about how we invest, and, and maybe you'll, you'll pick up some uh, good good tidbits there. Okay. All right. Okay, Mike, thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, Warrior. Peace out. Bye. Um, bye-bye. All right. That owes the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Lake Forest and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart Investor Brand Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, guys. I would like for you to take a look at MGM. Okay. Do you hold that? Looking to buy it. We hold it, but we're thinking about buying more. Now, when you say we, I th- is that the investment group that you're with? or? That's, yes, it's an investment group I head up. Okay, okay. Now, now I, I've got to be honest with you here because I know that uh, Amazon is buying the studio, but they're not buying because this yes. is the MGM Resorts International. So these are two different. That is correct. Yeah, okay, okay, good. I just no, want to that. Do you know, Steve, if they. Um... Was the, the studios part of MGM, or was it just a, a kind of private equity, third-party type deal? Like, is MGM going to benefit the, the at all? Studi- yes, MGM will get the cash. It's going to okay. be about $8 billion. Yeah. Mm, okay. So that, that's going to be a big uh, boost for them. So, all right. So yeah. Yeah, and that's very important that, that you guys understand the whole concept of what's going on here with this money coming in, what they're doing, stock, and everything else, because we're not going to be able to look at that here in the – a short time right here on the show, but just to point you guys in the right direction, a little more research, I think, before you do it. Sounds like you've done a little bit, but um, we're going to take a look at the MGM Resorts International. Symbol is MGM. Unfortunately, no PE ratio. That's the same as the industry. Price to sales looks good, 4.6 versus 5.9. Price to book value, very expensive, 33, but the industry is not material, and there is no price to cash flow. Now, year over year, sales are down 62%, worse than the industry, down 43 Earnings per share for the last uh, 12 months, year over year, we're down 178, but the industry is down 462. Now, the balance sheet for MGM, not looking very good. You got a, a nice current ratio of 3.9 versus 2.5, but debt to equity, 213. That is bad, but the industry is at 463. So I just don't like that much debt on the balance sheet. I know these entertainment companies are generally known for a lot of debt. We do see return on equities a negative 29 versus a negative 53. Net profit margin also a negative 51 versus a negative 33. Receivable turnover is 11.2 versus 7.7. That's good. And inventory turnover 31 versus 18. Chase, I'm very curious on the earnings going forward, what they have over there. Yeah, of course. So looking at the numbers here for MGM, uh, current price is $42.87. The 52-week high is $43.90. And the low is $14.65. Now, unfortunately, if I go forward to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of just $0.16. Cents. That means we get a target sell price of $2.66. Now, I don't think MGM is worth $2.66, no. but it does give me a, a lot of concern that the earnings aren't recovering. And I, I know that there's probably some pullback from COVID that they're kind of trying to recoup and get people back into the hotels and probably have to spend on certain things. But even at, at that rate, I, I still don't know if I like it at $42.87. It's just expensive. I, I think it's a little bit more of a a trading type idea, like trying to trade off of the reopening of the economy. I, I don't know if I like it for the longer term in terms of the valuation. 
And the other thing too okay. with, the, with with these, and I know this is MGM Resort, so I assume it's the casino also in Las Vegas and these other things mm -hmm. as well. But I, I looked at their balance sheet, and they, they do have a lot of cash. You got six point one billion dollars in cash. Uh, make sure that's billions, not billions. Yeah, that's billions. Um, and and they only have in debt, uh, it's about thirteen point four billion. But they do have that eight point five billion from Amazon. That is cash, right? Not stock from Amazon, correct? Yes. Yeah. No, okay. it's cash. Yeah. So I mean, that gives them about fifteen billion dollars total of cash. They could pay down some debt. But the the hard part with a lot of these entertainment companies is they got to come out with something new and exciting for people to keep watching. And I know that they got uh, the, the, the Jane Bond movie. They got uh, Pink Panther. Uh, well, that's actually what Amazon's getting. So for, for these, you know, for this one. Yeah, hey, Amazon's going to get all that stuff. That's what they bought. So what are they left with at the MGM the resorts. resorts? Just the resorts. They own the hotel. They the, re the resorts and the hotel in Macau. They in got Macau. a big, giant hotel in Macau. Okay, okay. Over, so. over in China. Okay. I, I'm kind of liking the concept here. I like what could happen, but I can't say it's a buy because of the fact that I don't see the earnings coming in. Yeah, I mean, to let you know, too, Steve, is last year we, we really wanted to find hotels. And for some reason, the hotels, it, it, it's a little bit of a complicated picture. I, I don't know if MGM operates this way, but a lot of them, like Marriott, they operate with like a franchise-type structure. I don't know if MGM actually just owns those two properties and they don't really franchise out the name. But uh, for some reason, their earnings are just like very cyclical and they, they move up and down. They sell stuff and then they buy stuff. It's a very complicated business to understand. And the earnings have never really justified the stock prices. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there's another way to value this. Like REITs, we use yeah. you know, funds from operations, maybe hotel chains. There's, there's something else we need to look at. But there's just not a comfortability level with us at this time. Yeah, and I'm kind of scratching my head. Okay. I, I, I just don't know enough about the whole deal and MGM Resorts to say yes it's a buy I do like the cash coming in so I think it's worth looking at it but uh, there's, a, there's a lot more research to do here to understand what MGM and maybe the MGM Resorts said what they're gonna do with the cash maybe I don't know if they said that or not we're not following that closely but um, yeah it's, it's, I don't yeah I don't have any idea what they're going to do yeah so. I think that's an important thing you're gonna find out before you invest in the business so okay all right Steve good thought all right good thanks thought. for calling Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Mission Bay and speak with Mike. Mike, you're on the Smart Investor Brand Chase. How can I help you? Hey, I'm um, looking at a company called Interdigital Communications, IDCC. Compared to Qualcomm, which I've been in and out of in the past, and thought, wondered what you thought of it. You know, Mike, when I saw that come up, I saw the symbol, and I held this company, I think, 20 years ago. I made some money on it. I was quite curious, well, what they're doing now. So I'm glad you called in about it. Coming again is Interdigital Incorporated, symbol is IDCC. PE ratio 56, that's above the industry at 31. <clears throat> Uh, price to sales is 6.9 versus 3.7. That's expensive. Price to book value of 3.2 uh, versus not material for the industry. And price to cash flow for interdigital is 24 versus 16. They do pay a 1.7% dividend. Use 73% of their earnings to pay that out. That sounds a little bit high for that type of dividend. We do see sales are up 12.6% <clears throat> year over year. Industry down 1. 
Earnings per share climbed by 114%. The industry is only up 15.8. We do see current ratios 3.5 versus 1.7. Total debt to equity for an digital 53. That is better than the industry at 71. Return to equity not so good though. 5.8 versus 18 for the industry. Net profit margin 10.6 versus 11.9. And then receivable turnover 16.2. About three times the industry at 5.2. Chase, how are the earnings looking going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Interdigital Inc. is $80.78. 52-week high, well, that's $81.75. And the 52-week low is $52.89. I got to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $1.95. Unfortunately, it gives us a target sell price of $32.37. So it uh, looks wow. expensive there. Um, the range, I can tell you, is pretty decent size differential there's the high analyst thinks will make 268 and the low analyst thinks will be 80 cents so that's dragging it down a little bit but still not enough even at the high estimate to get us to 80 dollars so it's expensive there i, I can tell you that yeah yeah and, and i remember this company it, and it was the same thing 20 years ago they're kind of like a, a small qualcomm and so forth and you use the same thing uh they just never did quite as well or and and we're close to what qualcomm did uh, but again, as Chase said, it's a little bit too pricey, so uh, probably time to move on here. Well, I appreciate that. And, and by the way, uh, regarding the real estate situation, I wonder how the uh, effects of Prop 13 has affected the supply. That's something you guys didn't talk about earlier. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I know there was some changes on that. I, I don't think it's had an effect, but I could be wrong on that. I, I yeah. didn't really analyze that at all. Yeah, I don't know how many people actually are analyzing that when they're selling. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, no, that's a that's a good thought there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. And I will say, too, Prop 13 is just here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, home prices are crazy all over the country. So, yeah. uh, And I think a lot of it still stems from the supply. The supply is out of whack across the entire right. country. It's not just California. So Prop 13 may be elevating that a little bit more, but I don't think that's the, the sole issue there. Hey, remember we had our, our attorney, uh, a state planning attorney, John Preston, on, and he was talking something about that, some things he had to do and, and things of that nature. And I forget the details of it. But when, when Mike brought that up, I kind of remembered what John was talking about. I know it was an issue, but I don't know how it would affect the uh, sales price. I know they had to do something that's great for their business for months. Yeah. Yeah. So, all righty. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Let's see. Gosh, who was uh, next here? I think it was uh, Martin in San Diego. Martin, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, I'd like your opinion on a company called uh, Jable. J-B-L is a symbol. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy it? I hold it. Okay, you up, you down, where do you stand? I'm up. Okay, this is another company that we held actually gosh, years ago, and I remember when we sold it, when we bought it, well, I, I got a call, never forget this, got a call from an accountant saying, did you really make that type of return on the, on the business or did I get the share price wrong? I said, no, that, that was right. I can't tell you what the number was because the SEC, I can't tell you the percentage return, but I was just amazed that an accountant called saying, I just want to check the, the share price on that of what you paid and what you sold it for. So uh, great company at the time. We really liked it. Uh, so let's take a look at the numbers, see where it stands. Now, coming again is J-Bill Incorporated. Symbol is uh, J-B-L. We do see a P-E ratio of 23.7. 
versus uh, 35 for the industry, so that's good. Price of sales, wow, 0.3 versus 6.3. Like seeing that. Price to book value looks good, 7.2 versus 22. And price of cash flow, 7 versus 19. So valuation ratios for J-Bell looking pretty good. Uh, they also always paid a small dividend. Don't know why they bothered. It's still a small dividend, 0.57%. Use 13% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, sales year over year were up 7.4%. Not as good as the industry growth at 13.4. However, earnings per share for J-Bell, well, they were up 179 when the industry only grew by three. Look at the balance sheet. Uh, they got a current ratio of one versus 2.3. Debt to equity kind of worrisome here, 130 versus 63. Return to equity, 19.2 versus 18. Net profit margin, 1.3. That's very low compared to the industry, 16.8. Don't understand why that's so low. We do see a receivable turnover of 7.6 versus 8.3. Inventory turnover, very good, 7.6 versus 4.8. Chase, very curious on the earnings here. What you got? Yeah, so a uh, current <clears> price <throat> here for J-Bill, $56.45. 52-week highs, $57.01. And that 52-week low, was well, $29.24. If I go out to August 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $5.41. Would give us a target sell price of $89.81. So, I mean, that looks good. You said you hold it. So we wouldn't sell it based off the valuations there. But one thing that has always worried me with J-Bill is they have a high concentration mm. in terms of their sales in Apple. Apple, last year in 2020, occupied about $5.5 billion worth of their sales. Their total revenue is about $27.2 billion. So that's a large percentage. And this is new. Amazon is their second largest customer at about $3 billion. So those two companies occupy about 30% of the company's sales. Now, the benefit to that is you know they can pay. You right. know they're reliable in terms of cash flow. But the other downside to that is Apple and Amazon have a lot of cash on hand and seem to be wanting to kind of do a lot of stuff on their own. Yep. Could they kick J-Pill out of the picture? They lost those two companies or even one of those companies would be quite hurtful to the stock so that's just something to consider definitely understanding the relationship j-bill has with those two businesses would be important and chase i'm glad you brought that up because i think when we sold j-bill we were happy for that reason because apple did make them a big part of the revenue we'd like to have the revenue more diversified among more customers and again you're, you're right i mean they can pay the bills but what if apple or amazon says sorry we're going to use somebody else to do it ourselves that could really bring down the stock tremendously so that's one thing of an over concentration of a couple customers on J-Bill, so that kind of worries us a little bit. Okay, well, <laughs> I, uh, I bought it in the teens, so I'm happy. Yes, yes, and, and what you want to try to do is, and again, will Apple and Amazon leave? We don't know, but you got a nice yeah. profit on it. The thing is, will it go higher? Will it not go higher? Is it worth taking a chance? As an investor, that's what you had to kind of determine because I think the target sell price, you said it was about 80, I think you said, Chase? Yeah, I think it was like 89 is what yeah. I said. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do remember we sold it, and I can't tell you the price we sold that, but it was a good price. But I, I did feel like, ah, okay, good. I'm, I'm kind of glad we're out of that because I was always worried about that concentration of, of customers. Okay, Martin. Okay. Thank you very much. Hi, right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that opens up the phone line eight five eight. Oh, eight five eight. Where'd that go? Eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. 2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Restaurant Chase. How can we help you? 
Hi, Brent and Chase. Hey, I just have a question on a stock. Um, kind of saw it on Yahoo Finance. Uh, Tech Resources, T-E-C-K. Okay. And it sounds like you don't hold it. It uh, looks like maybe you're looking at buying it, maybe? Yeah, I don't hold it. Right. I think it's a foreign company because I'm coming. It's up. Canadian, I believe. Canadian? Okay. Yeah, but it trades on the big boards. Okay. Well, let me just run over the fundamentals I don't have the industry compared to. Coming again is Tech Resources Limited. Symbol is T-E-C-K. Uh, no P-E ratio, so not a good start. Uh, price to sales looks okay, 1.75. Price to book value, very good, 0.8. Means you're paying 83 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets. And price to cash flow checks in at 12.6. They only pay a 0.7% dividend and with no earnings, they're no dividend payout ratio. Uh, sales are down 18.6% year over year. Earnings did climb by 83%, however, this, so that's good. Uh, balance sheet looks okay, uh, current ratio 1.2. Debt to equity, 41, so that's that's a positive. Return to equity, a negative 1.2. Net profit margin checks in at a negative 3.7. And receivable turnover, 7.8. Inventory turnover, 3.9. Chase, any earnings for tech? Yeah, so for some reason it's not converting over to the U.S. dollar, so this will ah. be on the uh, Canadian exchange. I do see, as you said there, Jim, that uh, they are traded uh, on the U.S. stock exchange as well, but these numbers right. are in Canadian dollars, so... Current price here is twenty nine dollars and eighty two cents. Fifty two week high is thirty two dollars and twenty five cents, and the fifty two week low is eleven dollars and fourteen cents. And, and once again, for our listeners, that was in terms of Canadian dollars, not the U.S. dollars on the Canadian exchange. Right. But it still gives you an idea of what the company is worth um, sure. in terms of a conversion. Now, if we go out to December two thousand twenty two, I do see estimated earnings per share of three dollars and thirty three cents would give us a target sell price of $55.28. So there is some value to it. It's it's uh, could be potential there. And as you, as I think you know there, Jim, though, we don't like to buy foreign companies. But right. if we did, ah, this, this might have some value to it. They're pretty close, I think. I mean, close to our country. Yeah. They're, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're, you know, I don't know if that counts. But um, they're, they're in, I think, mining copper and zinc, which kind of uh, – mm. Kind of piqued my interest, uh, being as how you know, with the I guess with the renewable energy and batteries and everything, um, those two things are valuable. Yeah, that's that's one area we kind of think could be a poss uh, possibility. So, so kind of like that concept, just do a little more research on it there. All righty, all right, thank you. Okay, Jim, thanks for calling. Okay, bye bye, bye bye. All right, let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Chris. Chris, you're on the Smart Vessel Run Chase. How can I help you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. <clears throat> um, I have an overall uh, hi, uh, overall um, question about the Dow Jones and getting into the market overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, you know, I've talked to my financial advisor, and he is telling me it's a good time to get uh, put some money into the market. Uh, my concern is is that the last you know year we've been dealing with COVID, businesses have been closed. There's been a slowdown in money. Is it, uh, in your professional opinion, um, is it a good time to put money into the market or are we preparing for a <clears throat> uh, market crash and or a real estate bubble? Uh, let me give you a couple of questions to kind of ask him as well. I mean, first off, why does he think it's a good time to go on the market? Uh, second thing is, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, why does he think it's a good time to get in the market? Uh, and then also, too, how does he get paid? Is if he put it into the market, does he make a commission somehow, or is he fee based to where 
you know, he gets paid only if you do well or, if you, you know, so that's what you understand. Where, where is he coming from? So you want to make sure because, you know, we'll, we'll give you our opinion of it. Chase, you have a comment? I, I was just curious that you're going to say something there. What, <clears throat> what was his opinion on why it's a good time? Um, he just feels like uh, there's an opportunity to take advantage of some some stocks that are out there. He deals specific with his expertise is in bonds. Okay. So bonds are still kind of I'm real hesitant about bonds uh, right. after the, you know, the crash in 2000, what, eight, seven or so. So, um, but I'm more specific. I, I'm more interested in taking advantage of uh, companies like I did with Apple. I did with Amazon mm-hmm. and now I have some, some interest in Moderna. So I'm in like, you know, I look for companies that I can take advantage of where versus he likes to sell bonds, um, you know, so it's a little bit more diversified. Um, but I'm just like, you know, I don't want to put in 25000 30000 which I'm looking into into the market because the more conservative people that I've talked to, they're like, Chris, you know, <laughs> the market's a little overinflated right now. Um, they're preparing for... Um, you know, a substantial dip in the Dow Jones in the next 12 months um, for the reasons I earlier mentioned. And number two, the question is, is is the real estate market as, you know, is it overinflated? And, and you know, in their opinions, the conservative ones that I talked to both heavily influence um, putting money into the market. So I'm just like getting as much, you know, professional, you know, uh, opinions as possible before I make a decision. Well, and I think your hesitations are, are good because again, we talk about new clients come over. We're only going to invest about twenty, thirty percent of, of their money. I, I wish I'd called in earlier because there's a lot of things going to answer. Maybe you can call back again next week. We got about a minute left here. But I mean, you're right awesome. to be suspicious. Yeah, and again, you talk about Moderna. I think they're pretty high. So you, it really takes a lot. Is this your first time listening to the show by chance, Chris? It is, sir. It is. I, I enjoy it. Um, so, you know, my schedule is kind of all over the board. So I just happened to pop in. I'm getting my oil change in my car. And I was like, wow, this is some good material. I should uh, <laughs> give, you know, give, give, give it a whack and then see if I can get in. So I appreciate the, you taking my call. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in again next week. And again, we do have a podcast as well. Uh, you can listen on iHeartRadio. You can listen on many different plus Spotify. Easy, easiest place to yeah. listen to is our, our website, website smartinvesting2000.com. Yeah. You just go to the podcast. You can listen there. But, uh, yeah, we we, ha- we kind of talk a little bit about things like this, and I, I think you're right to look at the, the company. So yeah, it's hard, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah Chris, <laughs> and, and we got to get going, unfortunately. So, yeah, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Call next week. We'll, we'll answer more questions for you. Thanks for calling, Chris. All right. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. Let's discuss in more detail your investment needs. Have other investment questions? Feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858 546 4306. That's 858 546 4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, Go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Thanks for the Smart Investing Show. Tune in next week. And may I say, not in a shop. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.